I'm glad you're here. Uh, I don't know what intentions you had with coming to church. Some of you are like, are there more than one? There are. There are lots of intentions that people have when we, when we gather. And, and you know, we gather all over the place, uh, folks online, folks all over Rapid City, downtown, east, the fellas at RCMU. There are folks all over tuning in to, to meet God and for God to meet us. So I hope whatever your intentions are, uh, that that be in there somewhere. In fact, uh, we're about to launch in now into a major conversation for about four weeks. A major conversation that has everything to do with you, the church, and I think even well beyond us. It is so significant that I hope you'll give your time to it. In fact, I want to prove how important it is that you and I are together. So, Experiment time. Now let me warn you, for those of you who are introverts, you're going to hate this. So just, I'm warning you, okay? Okay. So here, it's very simple. I've got three questions. I'm going to start with the first one. And I would like for you, this is why if you're introverted, you're like, I I don't want to do this. I want you, someone near you, they can be next to you, behind you, in front of you. They can be across wherever you're at. I don't just, okay. I have, I I want you to share something about yourself. I'm going to give you prompting on what that is. Um. And you got to be honest, p- please don't lie during a sermon. It's okay. Here's what I'd like for you to share with someone your favorite food. Just go ahead. You, you can you go ahead and share it, and then the other person will share it with you. Okay. It appears as though some of you just want to keep talking. That's fine. Or that you have a strong opinion about your favorite food. Uh, Okay, I have more, so just still stay loose, stay loose. Favorite genre of music, or, or you might say the best genre of music. Please share that with someone, just... All right, one last one, one last one. This is, this is an easy one. I saved the easiest for last. The best NFL team, just share it with each other. Just share it with each other. Okay, good job, good job. For those of you who just needed uh, the star on your church, did you participate in church? You did. Good job. Good job. Here's, here was the experiment. There's a reason I did this because it wasn't just to help you understand that, the, well, the Chiefs are the best and, and all that. Anyways, okay. Uh, there, 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 there was a legitimate experiment. Here's, here's what I wanted to bring up. And I think it's evidenced by how we participated. You have a preference. You, let's make it plural. You have preferences. You have things that you're like, I think I know the best this and this and this. And you have the best versions of things, the preferred things. You have preferences. And here's what I'm going to get at. Preferences are not innately bad. But they should come with a warning label. 
Because some preferences, if you stay there and defend it and lock down on it, you can lose people in your life over it. That's why I didn't ask you, hey, share your favorite political person right now. And I did not do that. I didn't say, hey, what are the top rights that we should have as individuals? I didn't know. No, it was simple. Things that we should not fight about. (laughs) But you would also agree, right, that there are things that you don't dare talk about with other people because of where those preferences take you, how divisive they can be, how, how they can actually segregate us and cause rifts which that are there. In fact, if you don't pay attention to the warning label of a preference, you could find yourself at odds with people you should never be at odds with. And let me get straight to the point. I I think the divisiveness going on in our world has leaked itself into the church. And I think that many Christians wonder what even unites us because we, there's a long list, right, of things that we have preferences over. Yet you and I are called that even though you and I are very different and like very different things and maybe even read the Bible somewhat differently, that somehow we come together. And I think if we're able to, there's some solutions in life. So let me show you where I'm getting some of this from. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Listen, listen. This is Jesus. I don't know what weight you give his words, but you ought to give them a lot of weight. Here, I pray that they will all be one. When Jesus takes time to pray, and it's documented, we should pay attention. Most of us are familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? Most of us have at least heard of it. Yet we often don't pay attention to this prayer. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and, and may they be in us so that the world, so that, so that, so that the world will believe you sent me. Our oneness has everything to do with people knowing who Jesus is. And you're like, well, what unites us? Because a lot of us like different kinds of music, as we've talked about. A lot of us like see church and life differently. Jesus, Jesus is our commonality. If you go to 1 Corinthians, he even spells this out. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. If you want to know what unites you and I, Jesus, you and I can debate all day long on things that do not matter. But Jesus is our commonality Jesus is what brings us together. Whether you believe that Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah, or you're seeking and wondering what unites Christians all over, no matter what our past says about us, no matter what families we come from, no matter what we've done well in life or not so well, Jesus, yet, Many of us, whether you believe this or not, at least have friends that do, believe that the majority of Christians are counterfeit Christians. 
because the lack of unity and love that we are bringing places. So we, we need to be what Jesus called us to be. We need to be united. We need to be people who care about other people legitimately, honestly, without hypocrisy. You and I, we need to be healthy. I'm going to tell you something that you've heard, or at least somewhat some version of it you've heard. A better me creates a better we. You and I have a tendency that when we... when I'm just going to use the word criticize. Not that you and I have ever criticized anyone or anything in life. <clears throat> you and I have a tendency when we look at things, we look at the, the bigger group, the bigger organization, the government, the whatever, and we look, at the, we look at the we, and we criticize the we. We, we analyze the we. And many of us, if you, at least if you're like me at all, in the midst of criticizing the we, we're like, well, I don't need to really, uh, I mean, I'm doing my part. And the basic life lesson is, if you're a part of anything, come on, if you're a part of a family, call your family the, the we. If you want your family to get better, you as an individual need to be better, healthier. If you want your workplace, the, the big workplace, to be better, then the way to contribute to that is you. Start with you. Many of our problems seem so big until we realize, wait a minute, I can, I can play a role here. So this whole series is not life coaching. Huh. Not that I hate life coaching. It's just not what I'm called to. This is personal responsibility. How does a group of Christians or people seeking that, how do you and I own our responsibility and not just project it onto a pastor, a church, or, or just that it's all gone God? We. So the series is all about, in fact, I'm going to out the whole series. Here, here we go. Here, every week. Here, here you go. For those of you who want spoiler alert, here you go. First week, we're going to talk about experiencing God. Many of us are like, I love God, but I don't really ever experience him. I'm hoping one day that he'll show up in my life. I want to believe that he exists, but I don't really experience him. We're going to talk about that. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> but then we got to progress, and, and there needs to be sharing hope. Here's what I know about you, because you're like me in that there has been a day, a moment that you have needed hope. And it's likely the day, the moment you needed hope, someone showed up with it. Whether it's just a basic encouragement, or maybe they grabbed you and pulled you out of your, your, your mess. Then we're going to go follow Jesus. What in the world following Jesus looks like? Because did you know this? This will shock you. There are lots of different opinions about what it's like to follow Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. And what I'll basically tell you is that you always have a next step in your relationship with Jesus. You are never done. You have never landed at this place where it's like, sweet, I do nothing from here on out. In the final week, we'll talk about rescuing others. How there are people in your life, or maybe not even yet in your life, that need rescued, that, that need help, and you play a role. So let's go after the first week, uh, experiencing God. Most of our approach to experiencing God or at least maybe, maybe it's your hope in experiencing God, is that he would come into your life. Like he, would, he would literally like, boom, show up. 
Has anyone ever prayed or hoped, you may not pray the actual prayer, but that the skies would split open and he'd be like, I see you, I see, hey, just, just, just so you know I'm real. Anyone? No, I, oh, just, okay, few of us, few, yeah, uh, where you, you have these moments and they begin to like compound and stack on each other where experiencing God is like, I want God to show up, I want God to show up, I want God to like show up and we think the tendency is that when God needs us, oh, he'll show up. Or, or, or when we're screwing up, <laughs> he definitely will show up. He definitely will intervene and make sure. I don't know what your view of God is, but a little, well, most of us have a tendency to think that if he needs us, wants us, or if there's something at hand, that he's going to swoop in, pow, and he's there. Yes! Um, we have this going on in our home. Not about God. About a certain child. Right now, we have a nine-month-old child. Bo is his name. He's real. And uh, his approach to life, if he needs anything, wants anything, is that this, we're the ones supposed to provide it. We are the ones who are supposed to intervene. And, and see, there was a season where he was not mobile, which, oh, those days. <laughs> where, where quite, quite literally, if he needed anything, like absolutely anything, like, like the toy that was like a foot away, we had to go get it and hand it to him so he could then stick it in his mouth. That's, uh, we, there was that, then he began to crawl. And that became where we now live in rescue mode nonstop. Our role in life right now is to save Bo from himself. In fact, Katie took a picture. You got to see this. Welcome to our kitchen. By the way, some of you are skeptical. You're like, you planned that. I wish. I wish this was not normal. But this is, this is normal. If you haven't caught on, ooh, there he is. It's right there. And he has done all of this. In fact, there are other places that he's already destroyed. And our life right now is to quite literally swoop in. And grab him just before, like the epic something would have been broken, like a bone or something, or there are stitches involved and all, right? And that's that's the phase of life that we're in. Some of you are, are you're like, I'm glad I'm, I'm over that. Eventually, Bo is going to grow out of this. Um, for those of you who are afraid for us, you're like, no, no, no. We've parented enough to know that... Uh, Bo is not going to need us to swoop in and, and grab him last second or, or when he's pinched his finger in a drawer, pull the drawer out and grab him and console him. He's going he's to grow and mature and will no longer demand that the only way we experience him is to save him. And my concern is that many Christians decide to follow Jesus but maintain the same approach with God, that the only time we experience God is when he interrupts us in the midst of our mess and poor decisions. Where many of us decided to follow Jesus and it was awesome and many of us have stories that we don't tell a lot of people because, well, we would lose some popular opinion. But when God stepped into our lives and he grabbed us and he saved us and he does it consistently, that's not bad. 
But if that is your only way of experiencing God, that he dives into your rock bottom moment, or that you don't even acknowledge him, but he, when it's, if you're going to encounter him, experience him, that it's entirely up to him, do you see how that is? Well, how do I say this kindly? Uh, it lacks maturity. And I want you to, oh, listen, I want you to have a rich relationship with God. And you can't have that rich relationship that I now have with our older kids where we have great conversations unless we grow up. I want to urge you to grow up and experience God. Uh, One of my favorite writers, uh, Henry Blackaby, uh, he has written a lot about experiencing God and the approach that goes against what typically we find natural. And the best way I can do is just pass it on to you. Um, here's one thing he said. What is God's will for my life isn't the best question to ask. Now, I'm not, for some of you, like, oh, no. Been doing that the last decade, waiting for an answer. What is God's will for my life is not the best question to ask. What is God's will and how can I join him in that is the better question. In case you didn't miss or you missed the difference and you're like, what? It's, it's this, this part here that begins to shift. And how can I join him in that? I'm trying to show you what it looks like to mature a relationship with God, to get outside of religion, to get outside of God having to do anything and everything in your life to where actually there's a relationship that gets formed. If you keep reading his stuff, there's more. He never speaks to us simply to increase our biblical knowledge. Oh, we'll talk about this later in the series. Many of us are what I call fine wine Christians. That's not a compliment. Many of us think depth is tell me in a way I've never heard it. Tell me in a way that stimulates my brain. Hmm. He never speaks to us simply to increase our biblical knowledge. Our Lord has far more significant things to reveal to us than that. When God shows us what he's doing, he invites us to join him, to join him in his activity. And then perhaps my favorite quote of his, that he's, of anything he's ever written, find out where God is working. And join them. If you want to experience God, right? The best way to experience God is to show up and keep showing up. And many of us, we showed up one time. Or maybe more times. But there became a moment where we stopped showing up. At least as often. Not quite as regular. Some of you are like, are you talking about going to church? Like church service? Yes and no. The only way to experience God is not just at a church service, but it's a big deal. Many of us have got to understand that perhaps the absence, as we might call it, or the distance between us and God is not God, but us. I can tell you that um, the demise of a marriage begins when someone stops showing up, mostly mentally, the demise of a job sometimes where you're just bored with it, often when someone stops showing up. In fact, this whole showing up thing about showing up to God, do you know that if you were to read the Bible from beginning to end, and I'm not asking you to do that right now, but 
if you ever did, uh, you would get to a place where one of the harshest, most intense things that Jesus has ever passed on was said. You, I don't know if you know this. I mean, he said multiple things that were pretty intense, but one of the harshest, one of the, oh my goodness, that is so offensive. I could show it to you. I just don't know if we're all going to be open to it. You need to know what I'm about to show to you could wreck your life in the best of ways. Or you can say, I don't want to hear it. Here it is. It was a message Jesus wanted delivered to a church. Laodicea is the name of the church. I know all the things you do. Oops. I'm adding in some words there. I know all the things you do. That you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm. If you've been around church long enough, you've heard this. Lukewarm Christians. Some might call them counterfeit Christians. Lukewarm Christians. Let me give you context to this first because perhaps that's never been taught to you. This church in particular, it's a real church, um, they had a water source. It was an aqueduct, and, the, and water would come to them via the aqueduct, and it would pass six miles. Six miles, the water would travel on the aqueduct to them, and they would then have their water. The problem was, after six miles of traveling, that water did not arrive fresh. It arrived lukewarm, not hot. Not cold. And in fact, some say in the history books that that water source, in fact, that area smelled bad. That the water, that as it arrived, as it got there, it had kind of baked a little bit. It was not as fresh. That there was a, there was a distinct smell. And it wasn't really usable. In fact, if you drank it as is, I, I think one of the effects would be vomiting, <laughs> So Jesus uses this, what they're used to, saying, you're that. Most of us know that lukewarm water is not uh, the most usable thing. Typically, we are not like, man, I am so hot, just got done with a workout. I need some lukewarm water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most of us, I know some of you do, but most of us don't hop in the shower and be like, I sure hope this is kind of in the middle a little bit. No. This is one of the harshest things that Jesus ever put in front of us. Saying that if you are indeed lukewarm as a Christian, this is not just to that particular church. If you are lukewarm, experiencing God, if you're like, do you experience God regularly? See, if you're lukewarm, from the mouth of Jesus, that is detestable to him. There was a study done of Christians. That's interesting. There was a study done of Christians over 10 years. 10 years, they asked questions and questions. In fact, they studied them so intently that they began to look at the behaviors of Christians. And what they found out was, and this won't shock you, there are some people who claim to be Christians who probably aren't. And there are some who claim to be Christians who seem to be like on fire. Like, whoa! And the study came out and revealed like, okay, the Christians who not only claim it, that say, I follow Jesus, this is awesome, this is yes, 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 yes. There were characteristics of those Christians that, that reveal something to you and I. So if you're going right now going, okay, lukewarm, I don't know, if I, I don't think I'm lukewarm, I'm not lukewarm, you might be even nudging someone, am I lukewarm? Don't answer that question right now. If you've ever wondered if you are a lukewarm Christian, see, 
some of us are like, are we going to go there? Uh-huh. Here's what the, here's what the, the, the resources and results all put together, top three, top three. My relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy and satisfaction. So far, not too tough. This is the, the on-fire Christians. They, they, this is what they said. My relationship with Jesus brings me deep joy, not, not optimistically. Please don't put words in this. But brings joy and satisfaction. Uh, two, Jesus speaks to me in a way that is relevant to my life. These are what the on-fire Christians. And then the third one, worship is a lifestyle, not just an event. Don't, don't miss these three. This is a big deal. Now, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I, I hope, I, I don't know if you know me well enough. If you are feeling shame from me, that is not my intent whatsoever. Here's what I hope for you, is that if you claim to be a Christian, that it's real. I don't want you to be a counterfeit anything. And if you want the version of we that's in your head going, oh, I, I picture this, I picture this, this healthy church or this healthy city, this healthy nation. I, I picture a world that loves God and follows God. I picture this, this world full of joy and peace. I picture this. If that's you, if you ever dream of that and hope that that can happen, then go all the way down to you and begin to press in. Do you have any of these? If you don't, it's okay. It's why we've gathered. If you don't, you're not, uh, well, you're a part of a large group of people. So let's fix it. Let's, let's go after. What does the Bible teach us about how to, how to get out of this? Well, it does teach us things. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let us hold tightly. That's big. I'll go back to it. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let's, let's hold tightly. If, if you don't want to be a lukewarm, counterfeit Christian, if you want to be the best version of you that you know you ought to be, then you need to hold tightly. In fact, if you hold tightly to God, huh, it keeps other things from holding tightly to you. This is not just some uh, religious fix. We're given this, okay, what do we do? Will we hold tightly to God? Like we cling to God. Like we don't let go. It's not random. It's not irregular. It's not like, well, it's convenient for me to spend time with God today. So I'm going to. And then we go months and we don't ever go to him. We wait for him again to come to us. Um, tightly. I bet you can make your own list of the things that you hold tightly to. Some of you, you're like amazingly disciplined people. Yay, yay you. Some of you, like, it's even in this season, like, you've, you've decided to lock onto a diet, and you are holding tightly. <laughs> I was talking uh, to a person this week, and they, and they had gone nine days so far, right? And, they were, and I, I'm, I'm not hating on it. I was like, yes, good job. I wonder what you're holding tightly to. I, I've learned this um, in, in working out. Uh, but a year ago, I went from, let's just say it, I'll be fat, I'm to not working out at all. Like working out as in watching sports. That's as close as I got. Uh, vicariously through. Okay, anyways. Well, I started working out about a year ago. Uh, a guy in our church, he was a friend. Uh, his name's Willie. And, we, and, and he began to help me. So like and we would work out and, or he would help me work out. And 
And I would do that over and over. And, and I was like, I mean, I held tightly to it. In fact, if you don't remember this, if you weren't part of the church, I told the whole church about this. And the whole purpose of it was, if you know, maybe I'll actually do this, right? Like if I tell a lot of people, maybe there's going to be some accountability to it. And, and so I, I told you about it and was like, oh, now, uh-oh. And, and, and I began to do it. And I didn't cancel, didn't quit. Like it was, I, I, was, I was hardcore. I was pretty proud of myself. And then there was a day that literally I was out of town. And I was like, Hey, hey, Willie, I can't be there. I'm quite literally out of town. And he's like, hey, no problem. Do this at your hotel. Okay. <laughs> sure. Well, I ran out of time that day. I know, it just happened. Ran out of time and I missed that. Get back into town, get back to working out. And then there was a day, no joke, woke up, did not feel like working out. I know, didn't feel like it. Hey, Willie, I just don't feel great today. I can't make it. So I didn't make it. And it began to get easier and easier to cancel. You've been there. Whatever it is, when you stop holding tightly effort, personal responsibility, when you stop holding tightly, other things get in. In my case, potato chips and donuts and whatnot. But when it comes to God, if you don't hold closely to God, if you don't hold tightly, tightly to God, and we begin to put all the onus on God, and we should not do that, if it's a relationship. Now, if it's a religion, it's all God. If it's a relationship, he's like, no, no, I need to hold tightly to you because I want you to hold tightly to me. So let this spark, these, this harsh warning to, to this church about, I, if you're lukewarm, I'm spitting you out. What's the response to that? It's to hold tightly. To God. Have you been? Are you willing? We can walk this. That's the, that's the better me part, right? The better me. But if you get better me, then you go to better we. And here, here. If we keep showing up, we'll motivate one another to show up. That's how this works. That's how this plays out. We'll actually begin to motivate each other. Again, working out. I got to tell you, I'm fessing up a lot to you. So I hope you will not spend this and mock me too much later. I'm telling you right now, there are many days that the only reason I showed up to work out is because Willie was already there. If you've never seen Willie, he's a big man. He could crush me. I am afraid of Willie. And I gotta tell you right now, there are many days that because there was a person there who had, who had worked their schedule to help me work out, that if I didn't show up, I'm gonna be the jerk that doesn't show up, so I gotta be there. You better believe that there are still to this day, days that I show up, and the only reason is because he's there. If we keep showing up, we'll motivate one another. Let's go back to what I was reading to you. This is straight from the Bible. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let me, tra let me translate this. Let's think of ways to motivate one another so we don't be counterfeit Christians. Let's think of ways to motivate each other so we aren't hypocrites. Most of us would raise our hands if I said, hey, who would like all the hypocrites to stop being hypocrites? We'd be like, oh, I want that. Okay. Let's think of ways to motivate each other. Some people do, but well, encourage one another. Here, here. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another specifically, who especially now, that the day of his return is drawing near. Many of you, like I said, are crazy disciplined. But if we want to be the people, scratch that. If we want to be the we that we should be, you and I got to start having conversations about us as individuals. You and I have to stop saying, that's about them, that's about this, we need better that over there, or we need different this and that over there. We need to say, what am I doing? And I needed to do a bit of a soapbox at the end of this sermon. Um, If you don't show up for yourself, show up for someone else. Because some of us have given up on life so much so, that we're like, you know what, I don't even want to do this. I've already thrown my life away, or I've already made enough mistakes, or I'm at a phase of life that I just don't care so much. Can, you, can, can, you just, can we have an intelligent, a hopeful conversation that if you're there right now, I understand many of us are in the depths of darkness, and we're like, I don't have any energy to experience God, to, to cling tightly. Can I just put up the other person in front of you and say, if you don't show up for yourself, maybe you'd consider another person, how much they need you. I am so grateful for Willie Stevens. I'm still working out. I still want to live a long time, and that's frankly the only reason I do it. I know some of you are like, but you'll feel better. I don't care. <laughs> I, I want to be around long enough to do the things God wants me to do. I wonder what the list is that God has in store for me to be a part of. But I know God well enough that he's not going to drag me enough through it that I have a responsibility in this. You have a responsibility. If you want to know the breakdown in this world is when Christians don't take responsibility. Please, show up. It's part, yeah, to church services. (laughs) If you don't know the numbers, we have probably about another 50 times that we will gather By the way, we we gather all the time now, even during the week. (laughs) I wonder how many of the 50 where the church community comes together, I wonder how many of those 50 you will show up to. Not for church attendance, but for soul work. Or just flat out to worship the almighty God. I wonder how many of those you're going to show up to. Or, or maybe it's a group, that, or a group of people that you're like, I need to be encouraged, I need to encourage others. And maybe you sign up, I'm going I'm I'm to be in this group. Or maybe you're going you're to serve somewhere, somehow, in this region somehow. Are you going to show up for that? Or are you going to commit to whatever it is and fade out? We live in a world now that they call it literally the cancel culture where we cancel nonstop, don't be that. Show up, show up. You want a goal for this year? Show up over and over and over again. And when you don't feel like it, show up. When you don't want to, show up. If you're like, what am I doing with my year? I'm I'm showing up. I don't know what I'm bringing, but I'm showing up. If you have a marriage that you're like, I want my marriage to be awesome, show up. Want your kids to thrive? Show up. 
You want your workplace to be better? Show up. Let's be the difference. Let's be people who show up and we keep showing up. And I think we make better families and better churches and better cities. That's what I think. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, from the bottom of my heart, and I think I speak this on behalf of our whole church, we thank you for showing up in our lives. None of us deserved it. None of us earned the presence of God. Yet you show up regularly. Oftentimes uninvited. God, our church wants to show up in front of you. We want to experience you this year. And we accept the responsibility that that plays out. God, we accept that that requires work from us, sacrifice from us, attention from us. God, we love you and we want to be around you. We want to worship you. We want to experience you. So we're going to join you. God, thanks for inviting us into that place. Meet us. Challenge us. And I think change us. We love you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.